Good morning. I don't know if you noticed, but in the, the, the announcement video, I, I, I really took a risk in that announcement video. I, <laughs> I wore, I wore a, a shirt with a W on it um, because I am a cheesehead um, and, um, and uh, it's the beginning of the NCAA tournament and, and my team made it through to the second round after I wore, that's the risk, you know. It's not a risk if your team already makes it and you wear the shirt. So um, it's great to uh, be with you here today. And um, we are <clears throat> going to take another step into our series called The Real Jesus. And uh, this series is going to take us through Easter. And so I'm, I'm very excited about that. And, uh, and this has been, been an enjoyable series. And today I want to talk about controversial claims. And, and, and I say this, that controversy sells. I don't know if you know that, but controversy sells. You might be watching something, maybe it's the news, maybe it's uh, you know ESPN or, or sports talk radio or something like that, and you say, these people are always arguing. Did you ever notice that? You watch a show and, and people are just talking over the top of each other and they are arguing controversy sells. They are creating controversy on that, on that radio program, on that, on that TV show. They're creating controversy, and they know that without that controversy, people won't tune in to listen. So controversy sells in, in this culture today. In fact, the more outrageous someone's statements, the better. And, and I, I enjoy um, listening to some sports talk radio and stuff like that, and, and um, they do something called hot takes. Hot takes are like, it's like the most outrageous thing that you can say. You have no proof that this is going to happen, and no one's probably going to hold your feet to the fire six months from now if it doesn't happen. But if it does happen, I guarantee you that that person is going to bring that recording up and say, I said this way back when, okay? It's a hot take. It's controversial. It's outrageous. It's outlandish. And, and, and the more, the better, that's, that's just the way it is in our culture today. And I want you to know that Jesus is and was a controversial person. You say, what do you mean by that? What do you mean? I mean to tell you that what Jesus says is so outrageous, it is so controversial that it offended the first century Jews and it offends our humanity today. You say, but man, I've been going to church since I was a little kid. I, man, I grew up in Sunday school and I just love Jesus. I'm glad that you do. But that doesn't change the fact that he is controversial and what he says is controversial. Let me share a couple of things with you. How about, and I love, I, in the first service, I shared this one first. I skipped to like my, you know, my favorite one. The Bible says that if someone slaps you in the face, you are to let them slap you again. Now, I don't think anybody here would like to have someone slap them in the face. 
okay? I don't. And I certainly don't think anybody would say, I want you to slap me again. Why? That, it, that, that hurts. Oh, and I'm not just talking physically. I'm talking emotionally. And to think that Jesus tells me that I should let... See, what we believe is we should stand up for ourselves. And if you're going to swing, start, you know, pulling that hand back again, I'm going to let it fly. I'm going to beat you to the punch, okay? And I'm, I'm not going to just take this. Are, am I, are we in agreement that that is our culture today, Right? It, 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 you know, fool me once, okay? Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. That is our culture today. But the Bible is filled with statements of Jesus and, and statements of, of others that follow Jesus that are, they're outrageous, they're outlandish, they are controversial statements. He tells us that we should love our enemies, I don't want to be around my enemies. I don't want to have to engage with my enemies, and I certainly don't want to have to love them. But that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that the first will be last, and the last will be first. Wait a second. Wait, you're telling me that if later this year, by some, some miracle, we are allowed to go to an amusement park? And we're standing in line for an hour and somebody walks up and skips the whole line and they jump in front of us that we're supposed to just let that happen? Are, are you kidding me? The Bible says that the servant will be, will be greater than everyone else. The servant of all will, will, be, will be the greatest of all. That does not fit. That offends our, our thinking. That offends our thought process. The Bible says that we should consider it pure joy when we suffer. Oh, yeah, I'm signing up for this Jesus stuff. This is really good. Yeah. No, it offends us. We, we, yeah, we love Jesus. We, we, love, we love that that. That, that through him we have a relationship with God, that we've been forgiven, that we have eternal life, but what Jesus said was offensive then in the first century and today in our culture. We need to do good to those who do evil to us. That, that offends our, our thoughts. That offends our, our process. And one of the most offensive things that Jesus said is a very short verse found in John chapter 14 and verse 6. Let me read it for you. It says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, you might ask, why is this considered offensive? We gloss right over this, okay? We read this, and it's, it's actually kind of like rhythmic and poetic. I am the way and the truth and the life, you know? It, 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 we just skip right over it. Why is it offensive? The Greek language is much more expressive than um, the English language is. And we learn from this that when Jesus said, I am, and I am is a, is a, it's the verb form of to be, okay? So I am, it's, it's, a, it's a verb, <clears throat> excuse me, a verb, and particularly the Greek language has the most expressive um, verb, uh, you know, uh, words in, in any language. 
And what, it, what he is really saying is, I myself and only I am. He's not just saying I am. He's saying I and only myself. I'm the only one who is. I am. And in our culture today, we have this thing called the goat. The word, the, the word goat has changed in the last few years. I don't know if, if, you, if you've realized that, but if you're a, a person that follows sports, you probably know it. But the word goat means greatest of all time. And I, I remember as a kid, um, I, I, I'm almost shocked by this when I say this, but I, I'm just trying to you know, be transparent here. We, wa- we watched a lot of boxing. I do not know. I'm kind of ashamed <laughs> to say that, but we watched a lot of boxing, you know? And, and at that time, it was at the end of the, the career of Muhammad Ali. And, and he, I mean, he, it's just amazing. You know, he would, he would stand on the edge of the ring and lean out on the ropes, you know, and he would point his, his glove, okay? And he would say, I'm the greatest of all time. You guys have seen that, right? Okay, I'm not the only one. And, and he would do, I mean, he would play to the cameras. He was a master. And, and you'd say, well, you know, he, he, he backed it up, you know, he really did. But, but today in, our, in, in, in the pantheon of sports, okay, we've got Tom Terrific, you know. And, and, and every, anybody, they love to hate, you know, uh, you know, Tom because he's won, what is it, six Super Bowls. He has more, more rings than he can put on one hand, right? Yeah, I'll take that. Thank you. <clears throat> I'm glad for good... Uh, administrative help in my life. Thank you, Kay. Um, and um, my voice is just a little gnarly. I try not to stick my microphone in the water. <clears throat> um, Michael Jordan, Serena Williams, Tiger. These people, you don't hear them say, I'm the greatest of all time. See, they've gotten smart. They pay publicists to do that. Just think about it. They do. They pay people to go out and, and, and to bring that up and to market them as the greatest. They don't want to be seen. Why don't they want to be seen as saying, I'm the greatest? Because it's egotistical. Because it's, it's rude. It's arrogant. It's distasteful, right? Even if it's true, we don't want to hear someone actually say that. Jesus' statement to the Jews was exactly the same way. It was offensive to them. It was, it was arrogant. It was, it, there was no, they didn't feel like there was any sense of humility. Who does this guy think he is to say these things? And what I want to do today is look at three of these statements in this verse And I want us to look at these outlandish, controversial statements. The first one that I want to look at is where Jesus said, I am the way. Now, remember, he said, it's I, myself. I am the one and only way. That's what he was. It wasn't just I. Don't read this as being soft, okay? This This is putting it out there. This is putting it out there. This is as offensive as it possibly can get. 
And the word way, as Jesus spoke it, in the Greek, there are two meanings to that word way. One of them has to do with the route, and the other has to do with the mode. So this Greek word has these two meanings. But I, I, I want to illustrate um, the, sort of the difference between these two things in one word, okay? So let's say that... Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's not a COVID year and spring break is coming and you say, you know what, let's take the kids to Minneapolis, okay? Let's take the kids to Minneapolis to go to the Mall of America and let's just spend nonsensical kinds of money, okay? All right, and we're just going to go have a good time. We'll we'll get a hotel that you know they've got water slides, and we'll go to an indoor amusement park, and we'll we'll spend way too much on lunch and dinner, but we'll just go have a good time, right? So, depending, okay, you, there's more than one way to get to Minneapolis. All right, do you guys use Google Maps? Do you, do you use that? I those those are those are awesome things to use on your phone. If you don't know about that, you need to find that because they're fantastic. But if, 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 if it's really nice weather and I'm going to Minneapolis, I like to go through Duluth, okay? Because you go through Duluth and you see the, the coming out of Superior and you see the hillside on the other side and you see the, the lake coming in there and you see the boats, it is awesome. I love to take that drive, the problem is, if the weather's bad, between here and Duluth is not good, okay? So what do you do? Well, if the weather's bad, I'm going to go 41 south, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up Highway 22, which is going to angle south and west over the Interstate 29, which is going to shoot northwest up to 94, and I'm going to come in that way, and it's, it's interstate most of the way. It is completely different. There's towns, there's mechanics, there's, gro there's grocery stores, there's motels. If you go to Duluth, you know, through Duluth, and you get stopped before that, there's nothing, okay? There's not much up in that area. So, it, it, you know, we say that's what's going to make the difference. But, but let's say, let's say that time is of the essence, and you have to save every minute that you can. Every minute. Every minute counts. You know what you're going to do? You're going to take Highway 8. You're going to make a million turns, okay? But let's say you're a good youper and you can navigate all those turns in all those little towns and you will save 12 minutes and 30 seconds, Okay, your, your fingernails, there'll be nothing left. You know, you'll have gnawed them down. You'll have, you'll have nearly hit five or six deer. You'll probably see a wolf and a moose, but you're going to get there a little bit faster. Okay, what we do is we base the route on the, our circumstances. Is it snowy out? Well, I can't take the, the, the route through Duluth. Is it really nice out? Okay, then I can. Do I need to save every minute possible? That's what determines which, which route we take. And Jesus is saying that I am not one of the routes. He's not saying I'm, I'm Highway 8. If you're going to be, if you're going to be, you know, 
He's not saying he's one of, you know. He's not Highway 8 verses 29 or verses 28 going up to Duluth. He is saying, I am the one and only. I myself, I am the one and the only way to get to God. Now, the second part of that, you have to determine how you're going to get there. Now, um, we, when we think of going to Minneapolis, we generally think of, I'm, I'm going to drive, right? I'm going to drive. Now, um, I, I know I've met people even in their 70s that have biked from, from uh, the West Coast to the East Coast, okay? So you could get to, to Minneapolis on a bike, but that's just dumb, okay? You're just not going to do that. But have you ever taken a trip and thought, I'll save a few bucks and I'll fly into Minneapolis? And then I'll, I'll, you know, I'll drive the, west, the rest of the way home. And you get halfway home and you think, this is stupid. I shouldn't have tried to save this money. It would be a heck of a lot easier if I just flew into it, into to Marquette, right? So we can make a choice. It, you know, we, we're going to pay a lot of money or a lot more than driving, but we can pay money and we can fly to Minneapolis very easily. Jesus is saying, I, I'm not the car or the airplane. I'm the only way. There's not, there's not more than one way. I am the way. He is both the route as well as the vehicle in order for us to get to God. Look at what um, Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says. Salvation is found in no one else. Not just a select few, no one else. There, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. You say, why was this offensive to the Jews? I'll tell you. For several thousand years, they had been um, gaining a measure of access to God through sacrificial atonement. So they would go and sacrifice a goat or a sheep and they would take that blood and they would take it to the altar and it would be sprinkled on the altar and they would receive forgiveness, temporary forgiveness for their sin. And I say temporary because it had to be done the next year and the next year and the next year and the next year. Now Jesus is saying, I am the only way. The Jews were absolutely infuriated. They were absolutely nuts with anger at what Jesus had said. Look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10. It says, and by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. This was offensive to the Jews. Jesus was saying to them, I'm the way, the only way. And what you've been using to try to get to God is not getting you to God. I'm the only way. I myself, me, I am the only way. And they, they were offended to the point where they said, we got to kill this guy. We've got to kill him. Next, he said, I, I'm the truth. That brings us to the age-old question, what is truth? And the definition of truth is the exact depiction of fact or reality. 
But the problem is that in our culture today, truth is relative. Truth is no, it's, it's just, it's, there, it, there is nothing that's really true. And let me, let me say, I'll just kind of illustrate. You share with someone what the Bible says about Jesus. What the Bible says is the truth about Jesus. And someone will say to you, that's fine for you. That can be true for you, but it's just not true for me. Do you see what I'm saying? Truth is now relative. Truth is, I don't see it that way. I see it this way, and this is truth for me. It's based on our perception. It's based on our, our own personal experience rather than an overarching truth that is true no matter what my experience ultimately is. In Romans chapter 1, Paul says this, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. I want to read to you a quote from atheist professor and philosopher Thomas Nagel who said this, I want atheism to be true and am made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and well-informed people I know are religious believers. It isn't just that I don't believe in God and naturally hope that I'm right in my belief. It's that I hope that there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that. Friends, I, I want to tell you that real truth doesn't change. Real truth doesn't migrate. It doesn't adjust. It doesn't bend to our will and bend to our wishes. It is either true or it is not. It's either truth or it is fiction. There is no in-between. So the second offensive statement that Jesus said, I am the truth. They found it to be incredibly offensive, but we look at Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. Jesus Christ, the author of Hebrews says, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. The truth of God does not change. Truth does not change based on our circumstances. So what unchanging truth did Jesus bring during his lifetime that he is talking about? We call it the truth of the kingdom of God. Jesus' first real, real big event was, was the Sermon on the Mount. That's sort of when Jesus' ministry really went public. And his whole message was on the kingdom of God. We have the ability to look and read scripture and, and we can read the words of Jesus and we understand the meaning of this kingdom because Jesus said to us, he said, you know what? Everybody has sinned. We, we look at, the, 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 at scripture as a whole, the words of Jesus, the, the words of Paul. Scripture says that all have sinned. This is offensive. Try, just try it out. Try just in a conversation, just say, do you realize that you're a sinner? See the kind of response that you will get. This offends us today. It offends us that, that someone could say of us that we are a sinner. In fact, not only are, are you a sinner, 
But you cannot pay for your sin. You do not have the ability to pay the payment for your sin. And that payment is death. And someone else has paid it because God loved the world so much that he sent his son Jesus as a ransom to pay for your ugly sin and my ugly sin. Try that on for size in conversation and see how that's received to prove whether or not it's offensive. It offended the Jews in the first century. It offends us today. John chapter 8, verse 32, Jesus said, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see, Jesus, the real truth, has the ability to transform you and I. Yes, I'm a sinner. But when I come in contact with the grace of Jesus Christ, I am forgiven. I am transformed. Paul says in 1 Corinthians uh, 5.17, he said that if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. The truth of the gospel is offensive, and that is this, that you need to be transformed. And apart from Jesus, there's no way to get it. That's offensive because we want to think that we're a good person. How many times have you heard somebody say that? You know, I've been a good person. It's common to hear people talk like that, thinking that being good is going to get you into heaven, that being good puts you in a place where God will look at your life and say, oh, come on in. It's offensive. When Jesus said, I am the truth, and you need to be transformed, that's my truth. That without me, there's no hope for you. You need to be transformed. Number three, I am the life. Imagine, imagine my surprise. I was a young man looking through a yearbook. And I was looking through the the, uh, Norwalk High School yearbook of 1948. I I I was not a glimmer in my dad's eye. 1958, not 48. I just uh, made my dad 10 years older than he really is. And I did that on video in first service. He's going to see that. Anyway, all right. He was born in 40, graduated in 58. My fault, Dad. I'll have to correct that later. And, and you know, you're paging through the seniors. You, you guys know the drill, right? Okay, there were two pages of seniors. There were 20 or 25 graduates, right? And I get, I'm looking through, you know, the T's. I'm getting to the T's. And I see this young, 18-year-old, good-looking man, okay, Larry Taylor, my dad. I have to say he's good looking because everybody tells me he looks just like me. And I look underneath his picture and they had some things written there. And you know what they said about my dad? They, I put it in print, okay? And they, they published it and they put it out in yearbooks. Life of the party. <laughs> that doesn't help you as a parent, okay? 
when your kid is 16. I'm just saying. So, I, I, want, I, I think of this that, do you know what they said about Jesus? They said Jesus was the life of the party. They called him a drunkard. They, they said he's, he is hanging out, he is partying with sinners. That's, that's who Jesus is. And this claim, this controversial claim, number three, he said, I am the life. By insinuation, by, by the process of, of um, elimination, when Jesus said, I am the life, do you know what he was saying to them? You're dead. I am, I'm life, you're dead. And you need me. I'm life, you're dead. Jesus called the Pharisees whitewashed tombs full of dead, men bone, dead men's bones. That was a really nice way of saying you're dead. I'm, I'm life, I'm the life. Not just one of the, the ways to get to life. I'm the life, you're dead. Think of how offensive that was. The, the type of life that Jesus is talking about, it's referring in the Greek to the physical uh, here and now life, but also to the future spiritual life. That's the, what the Greek means there. In John 10.10, 10, the second half of the verse, uh, Jesus says um, there, he said, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. That doesn't mean to eke out an existence. That means that there, there is going to be more than enough. It includes happiness and joy and blessing. It's an abundance beyond your immediate use. But then John 3.36 talks about the second part of, of what that word means. And, and here's what uh, Jesus said there. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the son will not see life for God's wrath remains on them. So this outrageously uh, controversial statement, it, it, it's, it's controversial on two sides. One of them is that Jesus is claiming to be able to forgive sin and to grant eternal life. This made them pull their hair out. They were so angry. We got we to get rid of this guy. We can't let this, who does he think he is? God? Yes. And secondly, everybody who rejects me as the Christ, you're going to have God's wrath to pay for. That's why it was offensive. That's why they couldn't just let it go. That's why they had to kill him. These statements, they were, they were either blasphemy or they believed that he was the Messiah and they chose not to believe that he was the Messiah. And so they crucified him. There was no middle ground. Do you know that today we, we now, we, we don't, this truth of who Jesus is, the real Jesus, okay, you say he either is the Messiah or he isn't. But the, the relativity of truth has created this massive middle ground of nothingness. Oh, that, yeah, he's, he's, he's the Christ. He's 
the way, the truth, and the life for you, but not for me. We've created this, just this massive, this massive area where, where truth cannot really be allowed to live. And it's just based on what I think and what I feel. And so therefore, it, it, really, doesn't, it really doesn't matter what, what real truth is. So Jesus makes this, the, these three incredibly controversial, outrageous statements. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Now, we gloss over those. We read them and they, we, we don't think about them. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Next Sunday begins Holy Week, which leads us to the cross, which leads us to Easter Sunday morning. And on the night that Jesus was arrested, you know, I, I've, seen, I've seen a lot of um, Easter productions, big ones, okay? But even in the big Easter productions, there's no more than four Roman soldiers, okay? Because it's expensive to buy costumes. So you, you got four. Your imagination just fills in the rest, right? Next to the temple in Jerusalem, there was a, a building that was designed to house the Roman soldiers that were placed in Jerusalem. And they were placed there for a reason, because the temple was there. And the temple was extremely important because if you, if you can manage, okay, the people's religion when you're conquering a country, if you, can, if you can just keep it under control, if you can watch it, and if you can be there to keep the peace, these people will be, they'll, they'll at least be, be quiet, even though you've already conquered them. So this building beside the temple would house typically on any given day between 300 and 600 soldiers. So that night, as they come out to the Garden of Gethsemane to arrest Jesus, somewhere possibly in the neighborhood of 600, you said, why in the world? Because they saw him heal the sick. They saw him open the eyes of the blind. They saw him deliver people from demonic possession. They saw him raise the dead. They knew that he had real power. And they came to him and they said, Jesus actually asked them, who are you looking for? They said, they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Here's Jesus' answer. I am he. And the Bible tells us that they all fell to the ground. They fell to the ground because they encountered the power of the I am. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Today, I, I don't know exactly what's happening in your life, but I'm wondering if you need to encounter the power of the I am. When Jesus said that no man comes to the Father, we then have to make a decision 
Are we going to accept that as the truth or will we reject it? What, what is going to be truth to you? And, and it's only truth to you uh, based on just your, your own perception. It, it, your perception doesn't affect real truth. We've already established that. But do you need to encounter the power of the I am today in your life? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you. I thank you because you have given us your word. I thank you that that you sent your son Jesus to enact the plan of salvation. I thank you that forgiveness is possible. I thank you that Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And that today we can come in contact with the power of the great I am. And so, Father, I pray in this closing moment for those that that may need to encounter that power of the great I am, the way, the truth, and the life. With everybody's head bowed and everybody's eyes closed, I don't, I'm not even going to say what that means to you today, but you just realize that you need, you need to come in contact with that kind of power in your life. If that's you, just slip your hand up so I can pray for you just before we close. Yes. Yes, 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 all over. Thank you, Jesus. You can put them down. I'd like us to pray together. And for the sake of those that raise their hand, I'm just going to invite us to all pray out loud together and to do it so that we can help those that are praying it for the first time to, to feel comfortable in doing so. But let's pray together. Dear Jesus, come on, pray it loud. Dear Jesus. I thank you today that you are the way, that you are the truth, and that you are the life, and that truth is not subject to my circumstances or even my opinion. Truth never changes because Jesus never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I need that truth in my life. So I open my heart and I invite you to come into my life. Jesus, be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time in your life, I really will. I, I've got a gift for you. I'm so encouraged. I'm so excited. If you go to silvercreekchurch.org slash decide. Thank you. I could read lips. We've got a gift. Just, just let us know that you prayed that prayer. We've got that gift for you. Today is exciting. We have uh, some people that are going to get baptized today. This is only going to take a few moments. We put it at the end of the second service so that it, it didn't, uh, you know, we, we didn't know how, quite how to handle it with, with, our, um, uh, with our, our live streaming. It's only going to take a second and we're all ready to go. Our candidates are ready. And so our worship team is going to lead us for about a minute and a half uh, in, in worship and then we're going to jump over to there. Thank you for being here. God bless you today.